Welcome everybody to episode 25 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. And as always, the Tucson Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Altitude Home Loans and Danny Plattner. He runs the adult league and he's a good friend of the program. So if you have any mortgage or refinance needs, please check him out at dannyplattner.com. You can also get a hold of him at 520-241-1428. And Altitude Home Loans is an equal housing lender. All right. We're starting up our division podcast previews again for the first time in two years, which was requested by just slightly more than no one. We had one person. And when Lincoln Plant wants a podcast, by golly, we're going to give him one. So we're going to preview the Pacific Division first, our run around the league. And joining us today, first, Coach Dan Lusher, been on the podcast many times, high school head coach of the Tucson High School Roadrunners, and then an old and dear hockey friend of mine and a diehard Oilers fan, Sam Crow, joins us today as well. Sam, thanks for joining us all the way from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Oh, Swim, thanks for having me, man. It's been a long time coming. Got it. And you might hear me referred to as Swim. People don't know that. East of the Mississippi. I don't, my, I'm not Ryan. I'm not. That's just how it goes. It's only out Never. here. Where I couldn't be like, hey, call me Swim. People would have been like, all right, you're fired. So, <laughs> And then Coach Dan, of course, a diehard Kings fan. Yeah, I follow them daily, and uh, we'll see how this goes. It's going to be fun being on the pod with somebody who uh, just whooped us in Game 7. So, And I lament that we don't have Coach John Hancock here as a, just a Calgary born and bred from Cochrane right outside Calgary, but we couldn't get the Battle of Alberta hate. But we'll, we'll try and recreate that in the aggregate here, Moneyball style, with, with me trying to be a, you know, maybe a Calgary honk for a little bit, and then Coach Dan fresh off his Game 7 defeat. All right, gents, so let's get right to it. So the Pacific Division is a very interesting one. You had Arizona jettisoned from the division. You added Seattle. Seattle's now gone through the growing pains of the first year. You had the Kings emergence last year. You had Edmonton was pretty close to putting it together. Calgary wins the division, but they have a completely different landscape now, and we'll talk about that. And then you have kind of your rebuilding California teams that are in various stages of it in Anaheim and San Jose. So let's do a quick run around the division and we'll go alphabetically. So I'm looking at the Anaheim Ducks here. So what they do in the offseason is they get John Klingberg for a year. And when you look at cap friendly, it looks like they have about 19 defensemen on the roster. Uh, I mean, they signed Nathan Beaulieu, I guess on purpose to play defense, or maybe they needed a bus driver at 850000 considering they already have a ton of defensemen there already. I mean, they have Shattenkirk and Fowler, Klingberg, Kulikov, Drysdale, Bakanainen they traded for as part of the Lindholm trade. So I think the big question is for this team is, they also signed Ryan Strom, Zegers and McTavish are supposed to be the two centers of the future there, but the rest of their draft picks have been underwhelming. Comtois was supposed to be a guy and hasn't gotten there. Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Carrick. These were supposed to be high draft picks that made it, uh, that were supposed to kind of pop, but they haven't. So from your perspective as Pacific division fans, what's your take on where Anaheim's at this year? Are they as bad as San Jose? Cause I think that's probably our litmus test here. Or do you think with John Gibson being healthy with Zegers and McTavish kind of, solidifying the center position, better D-depth with Klingberg. Are they actually a contender for the playoffs? I'm going to let Sam take this one first. Is a first time 
Uh, first time on the pod. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, uh, I, I think Anaheim will be, I think they may contend for a playoff spot. Um, I think that's about as good as they can hope for right now. Yeah, bringing in Klimberg and uh, Strom will help a little bit. Gibson being healthy uh, will help a little bit. But I just don't see the depth with that team to be able to uh, compete with the likes of Calgary, Edmonton, L.A. Um, even I mean, they'll probably even have a hard time with Vancouver. Uh, so I think uh, now when compared to San Jose, I think Anaheim's probably on a quicker track to a rebuild to uh, being, uh, being competitive faster than the Sharks are. But I don't think the Ducks are there yet. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I think the only other addition um, that might make, might make some difference will be Frankie Petrano, who's a, a decent hockey player. He'll add some help on the wings. Um, but when, I mean, Zegras uh, is considered day-to-day after a big open ice hit in the preseason. Uh, and like you said, he had a devastating injury in one of the preseason games. He had to go to the hospital for a couple of days. So here's to hoping he's going to be all right. I think he was released. But they're already seeing some injuries and some depth problems. And then they've gotten rid of most of their veteran like playoff experience with Getzloff retiring. Um, Sonny Milano, who had 40-plus points last season with Zegers, is doesn't even have an NHL team right now. So I agree with the, the depth. Um, last year they started off pretty hot. I know John Gibson can uh, he could put up some real good numbers. And when he's got a team in front of him, I think he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. But the past three years have proven that he'll start hot and then it'll just wear on him, right? Because they ride him into the ground. So the question is, how long can John Gibson hold up? Can they get some solid backup goaltending to spell John Gibson for a little bit? And then will Zegras have the dreaded sophomore slump or not? Um, And I think that's about all that. If everything goes right, I believe Sam's correct in that they fight for a spot. But I don't think they make it. I think they fall sixth or seventh in the division. Sam, bonus question for you. Is John Gibson the young Ryan DeJoe of the Pacific Division? Uh, no, I think the young Ryan DeJoe. <laughs> well, well, wait a second. Um, if we're talking about a pure comparison between this, the Ryan Swim, the Joe that I knew in high school hockey and the kind of teams that we had at Canfield High back in Ohio, okay, yeah, I guess I could see the comparison. Uh, although, who's who's the Kings goalie going to be this year? Jonathan Quick will be the starter. Hey, Quick? Yeah. Ooh. Mm. I was like fat Jonathan Quick. <laughs> Jonathan slower. Jonathan not so quick? Yeah. <laughs> Twitchy, but yeah, could have been in better shape for sure. Yeah, sure, you could be you could be the <laughs> Gibby of the Pacific Division. Why not? All right, I like it. <laughs> well, in, in going back to back of nine and two, he was one of the infamous – misses for Boston in that first round when they could have just won every Stanley Cup for the past decade if they had done it right. And uh, he also suffers, you know, hopefully speedy recovery and full recovery, but he also suffers from not being good at hockey. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Well, all right, let's move to the next team on the list, the Calgary Flames. All right, I'm putting it out there. This is still the best division. This is still the best roster in the Pacific Division. Go ahead and tell me I'm wrong, both of you. Go ahead, Sam. I mean, I'm not saying saying they don't have top. Look, the top end talent lies in Edmonton. We all know that. I'm saying roster wise, you have a big subtraction where Johnny Gaudreau walks. You have a big subtraction where you have to trade 
Kachuk, but you get two really, really high-end hockey players. And go ahead, Coach Dan. We got some we got some breaking Elliot Friedman news. Ah, yeah, we saw just before we started the pod that uh, Elliot Friedman's reporting that they're closing in on an eight-year deal with Mackenzie Weger, almost fifty million bucks. So that's a good contract. So you're looking at seven and a half mil, just about. uh, We're waiting for final details, but that was news as of about ten minutes ago. So uh, I agree, good contract, good player. We'll see if there's any regression. Uh, He's not going to be playing in as up tempo of a team as Florida was. Uh, so I expect a little bit of regression, but he's still a darn good player. Um, so with Kachuk yeah. out and Gaudreau out, that's 200 point players. It's always difficult to replace those, but they've got an over hundred point player in Huberdeau and they brought in a 90 point player in Kadri, right? As your second line center. And who was their second line center before this? Monaghan, who, maybe who, uh, before he got hurt. Yeah. yeah. So, Backlund? so clear, clear upgrade. Uh, at least in the near term. I mean, some of these contracts they're signing for Huberdeau, Caudry, and and uh, Mackenzie Weger aren't going to look good in about four or five years when they're 34, 35. But for now, they did their job in terms of staying competitive at the top of their division, I think. No, they really did. And, um, yeah, those contracts are, I mean, for Huberdeau, uh, Huberdeau in particular, yeah, probably won't age well, but uh, – Right now, they really don't care about that. They have a window right now. And I would – I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, actually I agree. The Flames probably do have the deepest team in the Pacific. Um, all things considered, yeah, losing Gaudreau Kachuk is going to hurt. They're going to lo- they're gonna lose out on some goal scoring no matter what. But the fact that they were able to get Huberto and Uyghur and bring in Kadri – I mean, that's some pretty damn good work, all things considered. They'll be they'll continue to be competitive for the next few years. Are they better than last year? And I'll ask it in two ways. Will they score as many – will they have as many points in the regular season? But then I think more importantly, are they going to be a tougher out in the playoffs as they're currently constructed? I'll, I'll tell you this, Swim uh, and Dave. The reason the Flames lost that series to the Oilers was Jacob Markstrom imploded. He went from being, um, I mean, an exceptional goaltender all season to, I think he had like an 85 save percentage. He just couldn't stop the puck. And it, the Oilers lucked out because neither could Mike Smith because he had like an 89 save percentage that series. But Markstrom absolutely just, I don't, don't know what it was, but he let in a bunch of goals that he, that he otherwise shouldn't have, that he hadn't let in all season. Um. So could the Flames get past the second round? Uh, could they win a matchup if they face the Oilers again? Absolutely, they could. Um, and if I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, which I should be, I thought the Flames had the better team last year and should have won that series. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised that the Oilers uh, pulled off the win. Let alone, I mean, five games. Never mind. But. Um, I think the same holes this year that it held last year. Calgary is probably the class of the division or close to it. I mean, my Oilers fandom will always tell me that screw the flames and, uh, you know, the hell with those guys down in Cowtown. But if I'm being, again, if I'm being honest, the one thing they've got a deep team, top to bottom from forwards and defensive depth. Markstrom's a great goaltender. He had a bad series against the Oilers. It happens. 
they do need some luck with injuries this year. Again, last year they were very fortunate to not have, not lose many uh, man games to injury. Their best players played pretty much all of their games, and you don't see that too often. Uh, so that that worked out in their favor. So while they don't have 97 or 29 on their roster, they may not necessarily need guys like that to win. They top to bottom, they are the class of, of the uh, division. And I could see them uh, – how many points did they get last year in regular season? Was it 111? It was 100, in the it was, I think it was 110s yeah. somewhere in there. I mean, I don't know if they'll hit that mark again, but I would not be surprised if they're in triple digits again. And, let, and let's be honest, Daryl Sutter isn't a coach that, that coaches for the regular season. I mean, he's, he's looking for playoff runs, and oh, I yeah. think the team that he's got now is much more suited to a playoff run than a regular season run. So, Coach so, Dan, are you more scared yeah. of them now in the playoffs if you see them if you're a Kings fan? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. The, the Kings teams of old for, for 2012 and 2014 were built down the middle, and with Kadri and Lindholm, they're much deeper down the middle now. All right. So you're looking for that. You're looking for a better defense. And then, like Sam said, if we've got uh, – if they've got better goaltending, then they can go pretty much as far as they want, at least in my opinion. And let me say this. Mackenzie Weger is a top-end defenseman in the NHL. Not yes, a lot of people is. have come around to that, but as someone who watched Florida play Buffalo a lot last year, yeah, Florida's got insane depth up front. Many times where I watched those specific games, Mackenzie Weger was the best player on the ice for both teams. So I think that I think that changes the landscape of their defense. As always, if Tanev stays healthy, doesn't regress. I mean, you have Uyghur, Zadorov, Tanev, Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, Shillington, Valimaki is your extra. I mean, this is a decor that has everything. They have speed, they have size, they have strength, they have puck movers, they have power play quarterbacks. And then you're right. Markstrom's always big, but for me, their their X factor is Chris Tanev as a guy who can shut down a line in the playoffs. And he was hurt in the Edmonton series, so that was another that's another key uh, cog in there. I mean, I, I know lots of Oilers fans have been trying to talk themselves out of the idea that the Flames are still strong, saying, "Oh, they they lost Gaudreau and Kachuk. They're not the same team." No, they're not the same team. But to borrow your moneyball reference against Slim, they kind of recreated in the aggregate. I don't know. I don't think Codry's going to be a point per game scorer again, like he was in Colorado. But he doesn't have to be. Um, he doesn't have to have. He doesn't have to light it up the way he did down down in Denver. Um, yeah, the Flames scare me. Um, they're every bit as capable of making a run as the Oilers are. All right. No, I got one more thing. Go ahead, to, Dan. to give um, to give Calgary some credit for nearly breaking cat friendly with the terms and conditions on the Sean <laughs> Monahan trade. Where it is a whole novel of uh, yeah. terms and conditions. What did I say at the time? <laughs> Who made this trade? James Joyce. <laughs> so I, I wanted to make sure we touched on that most important piece of their offseason is whatever the heck they had to do to get those conditions down is uh, an impressive set of GMing. <laughs> yeah, and I got and I got to piggyback off of that real quick. Speaking of uh, uh, Treloving, their uh, general manager, he of Central Hockey League former commissioner fame when the Youngstown Steelhounds started their brief foray into the league. Oh, goodness. They had a guy uh, on their team. Swim, 
swim. Our buddy Chris Richards has uh, has some good trail living stories. Oh uh, man, uh, you know maybe I'll have to have Richie on the pod because trail living was also yeah. the AGM in Arizona for a while before yeah. he went up there. And no, the the Youngstown Steelhounds had for uh, training camp once a, a forward on their roster named Paul DeJoe. There you got go. Got to see him play against the Cincinnati Cyclones in the ECHL once. Oh, uh, Trelleving is doing some really good work as a GM, and he's it, and I wish I wish Ken Holland would get as creative as he does with moving contracts. You just referenced Monahan. Yeah, they had to give up a high draft pick. So what? Like the cap cap space is is I argue in my mind cap space is every bit as essential as getting a good draft. Pick. It's, it's the most valuable commodity in the NHL right now in the flat cap world. I mean, hands couldn't down. agree more. Could not agree more. Speaking of great moves from Ken Holland, let's move uh, north in the great province of Alberta. Right up to, the highway. To the Edmonton Oilers. So, yeah, so no. Uh, when you have the chance to give $9.25 million a year to Darnell Nurse, you got to do it, right? <laughs> You're asking the questions I don't need, so I don't need to. Right, I appreciate right. it. Nobody can see this now, but there is audible pain on <laughs> Sam's face as he needs he so, needs a moment. He might need a good cry and like a tea. So to so, calm himself down, I looked it up before the pod. Darnell Nurse <laughs> is the seventh highest paid defenseman in terms of cap hit in the NHL. Is Darnell Nurse the seventh best defenseman? And and I take this in Alberta. In, <laughs> is he the seventh best defenseman in Alberta? <laughs> and and I ask this with the full understanding that Drew Doughty is the second highest payest highest paid defenseman in the NHL. So. Although Dowdy was paid several years ago when that started, so a little, a little bit of that. <laughs> and and according to success and <laughs> right, right, yeah, pedigree, you know, yeah. actual Co- production. Coach John will like that one. Is Darnell Nurse the seventh best defenseman in Alberta? Because somebody I'm playing for Prince, Al- isn't that one kid for Prince Albert pretty good? I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually writing these names down right now because I actually have to think about it. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, he probably he probably is, but um, the fact that I have to think about it says a lot. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'll say this. When you were talking about how uh, good of a deal that is for Wegar and how good of a defenseman he is, he's exceptional. He's going to be paid less than Darnell Nurse. Like, if it's eight, what, eight years, 50 million, so he's going to make uh, about seven and a half. That's the Tage Thompson contract. It's seven and change. Wow. And yeah, the Oilers are paying. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Darnell plenty. Um, I know that he's buddy buddy with great, McDavid bro. and Drysidle, and that probably helps. He's a hell of a physical specimen. He's a great skater. His decision making isn't great. Um, he's not really a driver on offense. He's fine in his own zone. He's a, I mean, he's a top pair defenseman. He's probably more of a two than he is than he is a one. Um, he sure as hell isn't worth nine the nine million bucks he's getting. He's about to get. Is this it's a worse insane. contract than Rasmus Ristolainen at five and change? Uh, I, I, I I get it that they want to keep McDavid and, and those guys happy, um, and they and and Nurse. When you look as a, as a hockey guy, when I look at Nurse and go, "Holy shit, everything's right there." He's just an impressive dude to look at. He's big. He's physical. He skates fast. He, he checks all those boxes. But whatever it is, like Ristolainen. And I, and I think it's and I think it's yeah. I don't think yeah. Risto's all that fast, is he? He's exactly. fast. All right, all right. He's not quick. Yeah. He's fast. But yeah, it's. I think it's his ability or or inability to read the play and his decision making that really that really hampers him. Um, 
yeah, he should be making more along the lines of, you know, maybe six million a year, even even seven million a year, which would probably be a bit of an overpay. I mean, I could live with that if you're going to keep him. But not, but Seth Jones' money. I mean, and for, speaking for of my, bad contracts, for my money, Seth Jones was the least impressive defenseman, not the worst, but the least impressive defenseman in the Kings uh, Kings Oilers series last year. And I get he was injured. Um, and he was coming back from injury and forcing his way through it. So I, I give him the respect for that. But I, I was just not impressed. I keep going back to the uh, Grundstrom goal with, that you know he beat him around the side, and that's Grundstrom, a fourth liner. Um, and you don't want to see a, a defenseman being beat like that if you're a top pairing defenseman. And, and you're right. Yeah, he was. He had his hip flexor issue, which yeah, he, he's he's tough and he played through it. You know, but the criticism of him from any the, the legitimate criticism of him didn't start in the playoffs. And that's one thing that's been kind of annoying through the uh, the Oilers. Uh, I follow the, the Twitter space and uh, and obviously the Edmonton media. Yeah, the Edmonton media and of course mouthpieces for the organization saying that all uh, oh, the, the criticism of Nurse is unwarranted. It all came during the playoffs when he was hurt. No, yeah, he was hurt in the playoffs, but the criticism's been there for a while now about what his what his limits are. I'm not saying he's a bad player. Saying that he's got limitations. He's not a $9 million player. He's not an $8 million a year player. Probably not even a $7 million a year player. But here we are. Um, and yeah, I'm going through my list of uh, what you said, top seven, top six defensemen in Alberta. Yeah, he does get there. But uh, the fact that I had he's, to think he's about six? it. six? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let me say this about Edmonton. Your defense stinks. And then your offense has... Shaky depth, but you get to trot out Voltron and Optimus Prime every night. And <laughs> when you ask GMs, honestly, if they were honest, you, I'd, ha- I'd say you'd probably still have 25 GMs in this league would trade their roster for yours because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Probably. Coach Dan is an outsider. Will, would you trade the Kings roster for Edmonton because you get Dreisaitl oh. and McDavid? Oh, that's an Because you're right question. on the cusp. We'll get to the Kings next. Oh, that's an unfair question. We'll get to the Kings. This is a hard-hitting podcast. This is a um, hard-hitting podcast. God, I'm biased as hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm biased as hell. I'm trying to look at it through an unbiased eye um, because I'm scared of that defense, and I've I've been conditioned into believing that defense wins cups. Right, that's how that's how the Kings won 2012. Um, but you so, might be able to score your but, way to cups but now. God, I have not watched a player of Connor McDavid's level and caliber on the Kings in ever. And just to be able to watch him on a nightly basis, God, I would, I would give anything for something like that. I mean, I wasn't around when, uh, when Wayne was playing for the Kings, at least I wasn't following hockey all that much. I was nine, 10 years old. So I haven't gotten to see somebody like that. So for pure entertainment value alone to watch McDavid and Dreisaitl play hockey. Yes. If I'm looking at winning the cup in the next five years, I think the Kings have a little bit better chance because of the shaky D depth. But it, it ain't it ain't going to be this year. I know that. But in the next three years, that's where I'm I'm looking at it. Going all right. I think the Kings have a little bit higher shot if the player if the young guys hit their ceilings. So that's a big if. But we'll see. We'll get to the Kings later. So. And Edmonton's oh. always tough for me as a Buffalo fan because you're a ping pong ball and a different decision away from. Having Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl playing in Buffalo. I mean, we took Sam Reinhardt over Leon Dreisaitl, 
And then we famously lost out on the tankathon year, uh, still getting Eichel, which was the plan, was to stay in the top two. But I mean, very easily with one bounce of the ping pong ball, could have been Connor McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, let's face it, I was not even watching the draft lottery when that went down. I remember where I was. I was at a buddy's house in his driveway. They were screwing around playing basketball or something. And I'm just checking my phone just to see, just out of curiosity, because I figured, Sabres will win it. Connor's going from Erie to Buffalo. Start of the uh, what what could have been a really interesting story. And then I'm just reading Twitter, and a Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Sun tweeted out just a cap all caps ha 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 ha. And I'm like, no, no, there's there's no way. And sure enough, they've won the lottery. And like, you got to be freaking kidding me. As a as a Sabre fan, I was convinced we weren't going to win it because that's how we think. And well, then it was, yeah. and then and then you see him roll over Edmonton, and you're like, of course, of course, Edmonton wins it. I, I, to this day, I still can't believe it. It's, and, uh, it's something else. You know, that's the funny thing in sports about having drafts like this when you have lotteries in certain leagues. That there's so much butterfly effect moments in just that one day a year when you know uh, a milk dud with all the chocolate sucked out with glasses, Bill Daly rolls over that. <laughs> turns off those cards <laughs> and makes and makes or breaks your franchise, you know, no, it's, uh, well, that, you know, that's the thing about pro sports too, is that everybody's got to go through that. So, all right, Sam, we're going to let you, we're going to give you a corner here. Go ahead. Right. Soapbox about your Oilers and tell me what their season looks like. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it uh, quick. And, and PG, um, and PG. Oh. We have kids listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Forward depth, uh, I think it's better than it was last year. Um, you got 97, you got 29. Bringing back Kane for the money that they were able to get him back, I thought was smart. They shouldn't expect him to score 40 goals. But that's probably unrealistic, but he could probably pop somewhere between 25 and 30. Uh, I love Zach Hyman. Uh, I think he's a fine he's a fine winger, and he works his butt off all the time. They've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins is probably going to play more on the third line, it looks like, from what they've been doing so far, which, I I mean, he's five-on-five five play isn't really his thing when it comes to offense. He's more of a power play driver. But uh, he'll help there. Dylan Holloway is, is a potential X factor. He's a, an up-and-coming prospect who has showed really well in training camp, showed well last year in the A with Bakersfield. He's getting... Uh, top six minutes in preseason and they see something with him. Uh, the biggest question about the forward group is going to be just uh, yes, who I'm personally a big fan of, and I hope they hang on to him, but all indications are they've had him on the trade block for a while. They haven't moved him yet. I would not be surprised if this is his last season in Edmonton for whatever reason, the organization just doesn't see him the same way as, as uh, some outsiders do. I don't understand it. Um, well, I, I take that back to an extent I do because he, he doesn't finish. He's, uh, he's all Swedish, no finish. Um, isn't, but he, isn't defense, he actually finished though? <laughs> actually, he's a fin. He's a finished. Hold on. Let me make sure I get this right. I actually got to look this up. I think he's a Finnish born or a Swede born Finn. Yeah. He's Swedish born, but he's Finnish. Talk about conflicting history. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I mean, he's the kind of player. He reminds me of Yuri Lettinen from the Dallas Stars. Just minus uh, the defense. 
Uh, he's just as good defensively. Um, that's his. That's his thing. Didn't he's that really guy win like several selfies? Or am I thinking he, he of the did. wrong guy? He did. Uh, but Letnin also was he a little score. bit better score. He could score. He, could he was score. a really, he really score. good player. I remember. So Pulier, he reminds me of Letnin. I'm not saying he is Letnin. He he reminds me of him. And that's to me, that's a quality player that you want to hang on to, especially at three million a pop. It's worth it. Anyway, um, I like the forward depth quite a bit. Yeah, the defense is a question mark. Um, I don't expect Cody Cece to have. Actually, I would say your solid... defense, your defense is minimum five question marks. <laughs> the best defenseman in that group is Evan Bouchard. I like Evan Cor- Bouchard a lot. Cor- correct. Bouchard's really, you, really. I like good. Evan Bouchard. You are a lot. correct, sir. Um, Bouchard's really, really good. Kulak is a quiet. Will quietly play well in a top four role. Um, he's not going to generate a ton of points, but what he's really good is at des- uh, denying zone entries. He he takes away gaps. He's really good at that. What are we uh, What are we expecting from Broberg this year? Oh. <laughs> I am expecting Broberg to be the seventh defenseman or playing in the AHL because I don't think he's ready to play in the NHL yet. The Victor Soderstrom Award. I, I'm I'm yeah. still Broke I hated the draft pick when it happened, and I. The biggest thing, the best way I could describe Broberg is he's two years for being two years away. That's Oof. where it was, where he was when he was drafted. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so he hasn't changed. Let's let's no, just no. you know what? Let's just trade Broberg and Victor Schoderstrom, but keep their names on their jerseys and see if anybody <laughs> well, notices. Well, let's we'll put it this way, Swim. Um, when the rumors were circulating about Jacob Shekran being tied to Edmonton, the Oilers being interested. That was a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, well, they were throwing around um, the idea that Broberg might be the ask back, and then the media, the Edmonton media said, "Oh, we have it on good authority that Broberg is a non-starter." I'm like, what do you I, mean he's a non-starter? I saw that as well, and I had the same Why? reaction. I had the same reaction. I, I don't understand. I yeah, I don't see. I I don't see what's so great about Broberg yet, and I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. That's 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 a real possibility, but. I don't see Broberg being any better than a bottom pairing defenseman this year. And he's going to, there's a reason why they brought in Ryan Murray. Murray. That guy when healthy can play defense. Yeah. He's a very, very good second, third pair guy when healthy, but that's been a rare thing. Right. So yeah, the defense is weak. Uh, Bouchard's the best defenseman of the group. And then you got a bunch of kind of also Rams. Goaltending will be the make or break, along with defense. I'd love to think that Campbell will be the guy. He's got a roller coaster history. Who knows? I, I'm a big I, fan of Campbell as a Kings we, fan. We, as as the organization that brought him back from the brink, I uh, I'm a big fan of. We Campbell. got to see him play a lot of AHL games yeah. in town here too. Yeah. No, I um, think I think yeah. he'll be good for you guys. I think what you'll need from him is the Darcy Kemper of 2021-22, uh, right? The goalie yeah. who's just good enough. Uh, that will get you the games. That'll see you a game every here and here and now again, um, and that's going to oh. be more than what Mike Smith could give you. I am a noted exactly. detractor of Mike Smith. Uh, oh, I've never I, been I'm, a fan I'm of that glad game. he's done. Yeah. I'm glad he's done. You know, congratulations uh, on a great career, but uh, uh, it, it's it's good to see him out of the league. I, I'll never forgive him his uh, his uh, golf swing at the back of Dustin Brown's knees. So <laughs> yeah, he was he was as we say to our kids, he runs hot. So I, I think Campbell will be good for you guys. Um, he's got a great story, likable dude on and off the ice. Uh, 
But, I mean, he's, he's a good goaltender. He'll have his moments. We'll see if he stays healthy. That'll be a big question. But, yeah. I, but I think he'll provide for you what you need, which is just mid, mid-pack, maybe a little higher than mid-pack tier goaltending. Give us league average goaltending. Yep. That's, all, that's all I'm asking for. And I, I'm also interested to see how much time uh, his backup, Stuart Skinner, is going to get. Skinner has shown well in some small spurts. So it's going to be the soup and stew train in Edmonton. <laughs> they'll only go as far as those guys can, uh, so those guys can take them. Is he a fan of steamed hams? Does he come from Utica? Mm, that's an Albany expression. Yeah. Our kids aren't going to understand that. No. Um, I got one more, one more question <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to bring in my, uh, my one pop culture reference. Uh, so in uh, the fantastic movie, the dark Knight, right at the end of it, uh, they put Harvey Dent into the ground. Right. And at the scene of Harvey Dent, on the ground, his face, his two faces, burned faces, his face side up. And Batman goes, Gotham needs its true hero, and turns the face to the side. Is that Evander Kane? Because, ooh. I mean, there's so much baggage. No, no, both sides of that face are just an ankle. There, there's, so, there's, so there's so much baggage. And he's always been really good for his team for the first year. And there's just this underlying, not even a hint, but just, uh, I'll say a questionable past to be politically correct. And he's, he's known for ruining locker rooms. What, what do you think is going to happen with Evander Kane? I mean, you've got him signed for what, oh. another four years? Yeah. So are, are you worried about that? Or is, is he the hero that uh, Edmonton needs instead of deserves? Good. That's really deep, Coach. Pause. We just st- lost the Zoom meeting. We'll get it back. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll hold that question in abeyance here. All right, Coach Dan. We're, we're, on, we're on the Kings. So we'll see if Sam jumps back on for a minute. But I'll talk a little bit about Evander Kane from my experience with him as a Sabre. I mean, you're absolutely right. And at the same time, when you watch him play, there's not a lot of power forwards in the league that can do what he does. No, he's a darn good hockey player, and that's gotten him to where he is, right? I mean, it's he's an incredible hockey player, and I think he fits perfectly along with Connor McDavid on the ice. But there's a lot more to hockey than what's on the ice. We know that as coaches that the locker room is just as important as the game itself. How much is he going to affect that negatively? That's my X factor for the Oilers this year. Not their defense, not their goaltending. Will Evander Kane mess up the chemistry in that room? Right. I mean, and how long is it going to take? Because I think it'll happen, but how long is it going to take sure. for it to happen? Winning and scoring goals cures a lot of things. And when you're talking about if you were trying to build a compliment to Connor McDavid in a lab as a player, it's Evander Kane. I agree. I agree. He's got speed. He's got physicality he's got toughness he doesn't take crap from people so he can protect connor if somebody goes after him but man he's just again questionable history is what i will uh politically correctly say yeah that's a bit of an understatement so all right we're efforting to get sam back on here through zoom and here he comes back right now all right, can you hear us? 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, right. I, I thought I had premium through work. I guess, uh, guess you not. You need to step it up there. What, they don't have <laughs> Zoom premium in Thunder Bay? No, no. You know what it is? It's um, it's because it's under my account, not the firm's account. Like, the firm has – we have to arrange Zoom meetings for the firm to get the – Don't, don't sound fancy, Sam. No one cares about your law firm in Canada. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. Although I will say, in, in, an odd number of lawyers played on our high school team. When when we were we were yeah. there, yeah. I'm counting four. It's four, which is a lot. And we also lot. we also had just as many doing really things on the opposite side of the law early in our careers. So anyway, so but yeah, go, go ahead. Good, we had a good mix. We had a good mix. Good mix. That's Youngstown for you. All right, so Sam, go ahead. Close the loop on Evander Kane. Give us some Evander Kane thoughts. Before oh we, man. Before we uh, is, is he Harvey Dent Two Face or is he Harvey Dent the White Knight? Or is Edmonton just hiding the fact that he's Harvey Dent Two Face? And Harvey Dent, can we trust oh. him? He Edmonton is definitely hiding the fact that he's Harvey Dent Two Face. Uh, I don't want to base too much off of one off of a half of a season because that would be stupid to do so. He's got to fight Nazem Kadri once in that. In the first <laughs> oh, he will. No, that's, I mean, the fact that the Flames got Kadri, the fact that the Flames got Kadri is makes us makes it just great that they got to have another run in. You know, I wonder about Kane, about all the baggage he brings both, uh, well, in the dressing room and then off the ice. I'd like to think that because he's playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl, that he'll put a lid on it and just focus on winning hockey games. The fact that he re-signed at Edmonton for a bit of a discount gives me some hope. But I'm always going to have that thought in the back of my head, like, okay, when's it going to fall apart? Yeah, uh, we we pulled so. an audible while we were reconnecting you and kind of talked about the same thing, right? It's he's a ticking time bomb, and yeah, it, and it's been proven through multiple teams. So how long does he have? Uh, that's right, history. I mean, history tends to repeat itself. Um, and from one ticking, if, as me speaking of ticking time bombs, and Swim can test to this when I uh, when I was playing. Run hot. Yeah. <laughs> Run hot. That's a good, yep. That's a nice, polite uh, way to put it. Kane brings the elements that everybody loves physicality. He's, he, he chirps. He's nasty. And he can score. And he can, and he can play. His passing sucks, though. He can't pass the puck for whatever reason. Um, but when he's playing with McDavid, he doesn't need to worry about that. He can go cash. But yeah, what if things. What if they aren't winning games like they were when he jumped on board? What if there's a lull? What if uh, what if they have a bunch of injuries and he's going to be dependent upon to pull off a bunch of stuff that he's probably not capable of? Yeah, I, I they serve always... alcohol in in Alberta, as I recall. <laughs> well, there is also a casino right next to the friggin' rink that he plays at. Also, not great. So, not great. So. Wouldn't be great for me either. I don't admit know. It, but. <laughs> no, no, but I, I don't know, man. I the fact that we're having this conversation that tells me all I need to know about Evander Kane. Hope I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Nope. I hope he, he lights it up and all that stuff is is put in the past, but not counting on it. Yeah, scoring goals is a good thing. I mean, it, you know, if anything will keep him happy, it's a guy that'll make sure that he scores a lot and they'll win and they'll. I mean, they're a playoff team. All right. Every, everything, everything's as we know. Everything's peachy when when you're winning. That's right. When, when they're not, yeah. Then we'll then we'll see what happens here. It, it band aids all your ales when you win. All right. So, Coach Dan, 
Go mm-hmm. ahead and go ahead and recap the Los Angeles Kings offseason for us, and then we'll go. I mean, it's it, it's real easy. Uh, they traded Brock Faber in a first round pick for Fiala. They re-signed Kempe, and they re-signed Mikey Anderson and Sean Dersey. And there are a couple of other things that are small and in, in there, but those are the those are the four main moves, and that was it. Um, the Kings like the direction they're going, and they just doubled down on the "we need more offense," which has been the motto of the Los Angeles Kings for about twenty five years. So. <laughs> Cal Peterson? Concerning. Mm. Very, very concerning. Um, That's just hockey karma for leaving Buffalo in the lunch. <laughs> yeah, he's he's looked he's, – he's been a technically sound goalie when he's at his best. And I haven't seen that technicality, especially – I mean, it's the one – the last year, not very good. The preseason so far, not very good. Um, I think it's a five goals against average in his games right now. Yeah. And Jonathan uh, Quick's my age. More or less. Jonathan Quick 36. Is, He's a, age, Sam. is a hero and a savior. Hey, no. And an American hero. An American hero. I love hero. Jonathan Quick. I'll go to bat for Jonathan Quick. Nah. Jonathan Quick is going to be Forever. the starter, starter for the Kings this year. It'll be his crease to lose. Now, how many games they end up playing, I assume probably like a 60-40 split because they're going to have to try to get Cal uh, up to speed, right? Back to the game that we've seen him play. He just didn't do it last year. Because Quick's coming to the end of his contract, and there's a lot of questions after that. Does he still play? Yeah, does he finish his career as a king? Yes, absolutely. All right. He finishes his career as a king. The only question I have is, does he have another year or two after this with the Kings? Will they give him a small contract? Because there's nobody in the King system that's that's a goaltending prospect that looks anywhere near ready for the NHL. And it's the one glaring hole in the Kings prospect system. Is is goalie? Instead of picking like Jesper Wallstedt, we pick Brant Clark, who looks real damn good this year in preseason and might make the team off off the beginning of the or for at least a nine game stint. So, goaltending's a question. Are the Dowdy and Kopitar contracts now the anchor that's holding you back from another level? No. Uh, Kopitar led the team in scoring for the 14th out of the past 15 years last year. Uh, not quite a point per game, but he's never been a real point per game player other than his Norris or his, uh, heart nomination year. Um, Dowdy came back and the question for Dowdy will be, can he stay healthy? Um, and it's a weird thing asking that question because Dowdy has been almost an Ironman type player, right? He's played 82 games in almost every season besides the last one. But the 36 games that he did play last season, he got 31 points and looked like a, a, a Norris contender. So with Dowdy, it's all about competition and being competitive. And I think the down years for Dowdy were because the Kings were just terrible around it. I mean, he was not motivated to play. And you could see it. And it finally boiled over with him calling out the GM and saying, we need to start looking at turning this around. They went and signed Philip Deneau. They traded for Arvidsson. And we know the rest. They make the playoffs the next year, right? Dowdy looks like his former self. It'll be okay. So I think more is, it'll be more about him staying healthy and showing that last season was an anomaly as opposed to uh, the signs of a decline from the three terrible years for the Kings before that. What's Byfield's stat line this year? I'm hoping for 40 points. You know, 15, 25, stuff like that. Just take the step. Right, take that three C role. Um, he's got 
Philip Deneau, and Kopitar ahead of him. So you know he's not getting top six minutes. But he's going to be put on a line with Alex Ayafalo, who might be one of the best third-line wingers in the league. Uh, you've got Arthur Kaliev on the right wing for them. Right? And Arthur Kaliev's a breakout candidate just as much as, as Quentin Byfield. Uh, uh, Kaliev put up, I think it was 14 goals in a fourth-line role last year. He's going to get second power play minutes this time, which I think Quentin Byfield will as well. So I'm hoping for 40 points, 15-25, 13-27, something like that. That's what I'm looking for for Byfield. I didn't like Alex Turcotte as a top five pick. Are you finally willing to agree with me on that? <sighs> no, I love Alex Turcotte as a player. I really do, but man... He's like he's he like can't. he's like eighty percent of Philip Deneau, and you took him what fourth, fifth, 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 fifth overall. Um, honestly, I wouldn't compare him to Philip Deneau right now. I'd compare him to Trevor Moore in terms of he's going to be a winger for the Kings. What a ringing endorsement! Trevor Moore had fifty <laughs> points last year in the <laughs> not NHL. Not a top five guy. I no, mean, we, I, I, yeah. you're right. You're right. He's not Zegras. He's not Caulfield. He's not at least not yet. the The issue with him has been injuries and. There's nothing that he could have done about the cheap shot that he took in the Colorado AHL series when the guy came across the blue line and clearly went after him. Um, it's just for Turcotte this year, you just hope he has a year of playing the playing the game, and then after that, you hope that he becomes a middle six, top six winger. Probably not top line unless you're playing him on a line with Byfield and Kaliev, and his role is to just get them pucks because he's a hound. He's never going to be a 70, 80 point scorer. Um, so yeah, top five pick, probably not the right call. And, and but, is the, uh, well, I'm just waiting for my job as offer as an assistant GM, because as the president and founding member of the Matt Boldy fan club in the 2019 draft, how much better would you be with him on your wing right now, ooh. given your center depth? You know, I wish we could say that we would be better. I don't trust Todd McClellan to play the kids in situations that are actually good for them. Mm. Right. I mean, they played Arthur Kaliev on the fourth line all season. It wasn't a bad thing. Kaliev might have been the most improved king year over year with his defensive play. Um, but, I mean, you can't – we haven't seen Quentin Byfield on a power play. And this is our number two pick. So, yeah, it's just – you know McClellan, Sam. And he, uh, Dave, I was just going to say, yeah, I do. And he is a big reason why you guys <laughs> lost that series. He couldn't line match for – well, it, it was yeah. tough. It was tough for us to line match Connor and that. I, like, there's there's just no line matching Connor. I mean, Connor, Connor McDavid has an obvious weakness: kryptonite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he, but McClellan, even like even in those games in LA when he had the last change, he didn't yeah. do himself any favors yeah. with the way with the he personnel just, he set out. He rides his top veterans into the ground. And he yeah. doesn't he doesn't give the kids yeah. opportunities. He sat Byfield after two games, and Byfield didn't see the playoffs the rest of the thing. I'm like, that's the guy. We're not in it to yeah. win the cup this year. Get Byfield the experience. Get Toby Bjornfoot the experience. Get Gabe Velarde the experience. Those are the guys that are going to be your core of your next team with Kopitar, hopefully, as a third-line center. But no, they're sitting them, and instead they're playing Andreas Athanasiu in top-line minutes. Like, oh, you gotta. <sighs> Wing, former wings are going to wing. Oh, it's just... Always. And, and McClellan coming out and saying Andreas Athanasiu might be the most skilled player he's ever coached. Like, it kills oh, me. God. It kills me. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm uh, so glad the Oilers are rid of him and Dave Tippett. And I feel bad for you, Dave, to, to an extent. 
you know, that you got to deal with McClellan. I give Dave Tippett a lot of credit. Good dude. Wasn't it you, Coach Dan, when, when you were at level four when Tippett came out? Yeah. And yeah. was like, who coaches mites here? And he's like, why are you guys wearing embroidered jackets? You guys have <laughs> lost your minds. Like, I would never want my grandkids to play for you. What are you, nuts? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I've heard, I've, I've been, I've heard anecdotally that, yeah, he's a really, really good guy. Just not a great coach. And I don't know. Maybe we'll not, see. Not, not at the NHL level, at least. Maybe we'll see McClellan's, you know, mindset affect the Kings in the long run. I've, I've heard, you know, I, I saw a couple of videos on the Oilers, and it might not have been great for Dreisaitl in the moment, but there's been a lot of credit in some videos that I've seen, and I, I don't know who they are, but crediting uh, McClellan for Dreisaitl's development as a player over the course of a long term as opposed to a short term. But, mm. again, it, it feels like reaching – I. The biggest issue that I have with McClellan is how he treats the rookies and the young players. Um, he rides his, his top guys so heavily. and uh, But Byfield's got to give him a reason to play, right? So we'll see. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just looking at uh, ice time for the Kings last season. Dowdy, still 26 minutes a game in his 30s. Kopitar, about 21 minutes a game. And how old's Kopitar now? 34, 35. I, like, 35. you can't keep doing that. It's, yeah. Yep. And, and it was good last year that they brought in Deneau to, to spell Kopitar for a little bit, and it, it showed, right? Deneau's line was great, yeah. um, both in the regular season and the playoffs. Kopitar looked good. Um, I mean, he's not as fast as he once was, but that comes with age. Uh, so, I don't know. The, the X factor for me this year is McClellan and how he's going to play the kids. Right? Does Gabe Velarde get a shot in the top six? Does he get a shot consistently on the first line power play? And so far, with, uh, with the way the preseason has gone, it's looked like that because Arvidsson is looking like he's going to be injured to start the year. And it looks like they're slotting in Gabe Velarde on that second line with Deneau and Moore. And he's been playing first line power play minutes. But it's about time that kid got a shot in a situation that was meant for him to succeed in not play on the fourth line, not be stuck in the AHL learning a new position. He's done all that. He's proved it, and he's done everything the organization's asked for. Now it's on the coaching staff to recognize it and not be stubborn and just play the kid. So, yeah. <coughs> I, re- I really like Adrian Kempe, by the way. Yeah. yeah I think you guys, I, I'm I think also you guys a big Adrian Kempe player. fan. It, it was nice to Good see player. him finally break through. Right, he's never going to be an assist guy, and it'll be interesting to see how he how he uh, meshes with Fiala, um, because he has some speed on that line and some skill on that line that Kopitar doesn't have. I mean, Kopitar's a possession monster and will be able to grind the puck out of corners and find Kempe and find Fiala, but he's not the speedy guy. So for the first time, Kopitar isn't going to be or isn't going to have to be the first guy into the zone. Right, he can help out. He can get in as the second guy and pick up that puck as it rims around the boards. And let Fiala and Kempe do that, and then just find them in the middle after that. So Kempe, it was nice to see him break out. I'm hoping that he doesn't regress, but 35, 35 goals in the regular season for him was a lot. So I'm expecting a little bit of regression from that. Um, but and well, I mean, we'll get to predictions here at the end. But uh, my favorite King stat is you're still paying Dion Phaneuf and Mike Richards about a mil each. I like that. Fantastic. Well, Dion Phaneuf comes off at the end of this year, right? Yep. Um, and that was to get rid of the Marion Gabbert contract, which I know some Kings fans are back and forth on. It's not like you want to cup with the guy. Yeah, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, that's it, a win. and then that's it, right? Yeah. It. The Mike yeah. Richards contract. Don't get me started on how the league has treated the Kings with with their cap hit penalties versus teams like 
the Blackhawks who only get a fine as opposed to. And no, and no Caffrey. Speaking of the Blackhawks, no Caffrey capture penalty with Duncan Keith's retiring, even though it's right there in the CBA or Marion Hosa and his Marion Hosa and his skin condition that he played with for thirty or you know thirty years. Like they're they're all going to be proud Arizona Coyotes at some point. But hey, it's okay. They only they find the Chicago Blackhawks. You know. A couple million bucks for their scandal that shook the shook the NHL. I think Datsuk and Pronger are still on the but, books for but, the Yotes. But God for, <laughs> God forbid the Yotes test a couple of kids for some physicals, and they get slammed with draft picks that are taken away, first round, second round draft picks. But Chicago can do no wrong and just get. Nah, I'm I'm gonna get off my high horse of that. So and that that's along the Mike Richards line and how we're paying for him until 2031 or 2032. And that, that's not an exaggeration. That's that's the actual year that our, the cap hit comes off for him. Jesus. Right. So, well, we've now hit the playoff teams that we had in that division, all three of them. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. So now let's let's go through the rest of the division alphabetically. So I don't think we need to spend more than two minutes on San Jose. This is the fantasy hockey team. Like, Hurdle will score, Couture will score, Meyer will score, LeBanc will score a little bit, Carlson will get some points, Vlasic's probably too old. But this is just not a good roster, and they're not doing the rebuild the correct way, if you ask me. I agree. Yep. The the X factor for me for San Jose is Mike Greer, their new general manager. Mikey. Are you going to take the plunge and do what's needed? Or are you going to, you know, double down on guys like Timo Meyer at the end of this year? I I can't blame the hurdle contract on him because I believe that was Wilson that signed hurdle as a last-ditch effort or as a last, you know, here, you're screwed when you take over. But that team is going to be terrible, right? I mean, they're going to they're going to be awful. And they have zero cap space. They have contracts that nobody wants. And they might be like good enough to be top or to be like bottom 7. Are they going to be bad enough to be Arizona, Chicago, Montreal levels? So do they have a realistic shot at Connor Bedard? I don't think so. I mean, who, who are their deep prospects? Like, yeah, they have William Eklund. That's their forward prospect and probably their only forward prospect. And who's your deep prospect? They don't have any. Wasn't it Merkley, that Merkley kid that Merkley's had an not attitude? Good. He's not, and he's, he's and not he hasn't good. shown anything no. yet? So, I mean, this, this, team, this team is, you know, they're going to be at the bottom of the division if you ask me. And if either one of you want to try and talk me out that they're going to finish in last, now's the time or forever hold your peace. And I don't think either one of you is going to disagree with me. Uh, but also, the- they haven't hit bottom yet. So they're going to be at the bottom, but they haven't hit bottom yet. So this is going to be – this is this is the Detroit Red Wing phase of yeah. San Jose starting now where it's going to be, okay, we have to rebuild. We're rebuilding probably three years too late, and it's going to probably extend our rebuild for a while. Like, what was Good the, analogy. What was the point of signing Tomas Hurdle to an eight-year deal? I, he's a great player. He's a great player, but he's what, 28? 28? How does that help them in their rebuild? It doesn't. He's got a full no move. Couture's now 33, although as a guy who loves Jesus. the Buffalo guy who loves the Buffalo Bills, I don't know. Maybe you could do a reduced salary Logan Couture. But he's got eight million for the next five years. You can't you can't oh, trade that guy. No, untradeable. You can't. Edward Vlasic, he's got four more years at seven million dollars. Yeah. And he's a Seventh pairing defenseman. I mean, Timo Meyer's the guy you should be building around, and he's only signed for this year, but yeah. he's your best 
trade asset yeah. now. You yeah. might have to trade him for futures. I just I don't see Yikes. it. Yikes. That's, but again, like I, well, we'll, we'll close the loop on him and move on. This is the fantasy hockey team. So go ahead. Draft the top three guys. Draft, you know, uh, you, you can still draft Eric Carlson. They'll score points. Like when you watch them, those guys get theirs. Their team doesn't win. Those guys get theirs. But they're kind of stuck. LeBanc's still a good player, you know. But it's a lot of guys. It's Luke Cunning. It's Oscar Lindbaum. It's Nick Benino. It's Nico Sturm. It's... Noah Gregor, these are Matt Nieto. They're like, they're all bottom six guys. And it's just not a good roster. All right. So that then brings us to what I think is the most intriguing team in this division. Only because they're partially new. The Seattle Kraken. They go through year one. Bad goaltending. Not luck with health. Everyone, you know, this was kind of the, hey, we know they're not Vegas. But they still could be Vegas. They're not bad. And then they end up being bad. But I thought they played better at the end of the year. You hope that their goaltending duo, who is signed, they make money. Grubauer is under contract. Dreger's under contract. They bring in uh, your buddy Martin Jones yeah. for some reason. I, I don't know. Maybe they're going <laughs> to trade Dreger. One of them's got to play down, I guess. I, I don't know how that's going to work. But you look now, and they're intriguing because, okay, they got together for a year. They played better at the end of the year. And now you have Beneers and Shane Wright thrown into the mix. They're going to both be on the roster. They're both going to play center. And when you look, it's this is a team with depth. Their D depth is okay. Their forward depth is okay. But you might have two potential kids here who are going to be entertaining to watch. So talk about what you expect from Seattle this year, Sam. Well, the other thing they had a problem with last year is they couldn't score uh, at all. Um, I would like to think they're going to get some puck luck this time around. Bringing in Bur- uh, sorry, Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand should help with that. That Bjorkstrand trade, yeah, that was I'm a, a big yeah. So, like, you sign Johnny – if you're Columbus, you sign Johnny Gujo, great. But you can't – I mean, you really can't find the money to keep Bjorkstrand. Like, this guy is a legitimate 35-40 guy. He's a, he's a heck of a player that's yeah. going to help their winger depth. He's a 70-point winger with some help. Sorry, Sam, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no it's all right. No, they'll be – they should be better. Um, I know – I mean, I know, I know we'll talk about the Canucks and the uh, Golden Knights in a minute, but I'm, I know a lot of uh, analysts were bullish on the Kraken last year, especially those who were analytically inclined. Um, I was too, only because I thought the division was up for grabs. No, and that's true. Um, I mean, outside of Calgary and Edmonton, uh, it, re- it really is. You, we got uh, a team like the Kraken could absolutely put something together and be a playoff team. I, I, I don't see why they couldn't. I um, I think their center depth is why they couldn't. Right, Shane Wright and Matty Berniers are great players, or are going to be great players, but they're still nineteen and eighteen. Yep. Right? Yeah, they're kids. So the only other kids. center you got really is Yanni Gord, and then there's Alex Wenberg down down on your fourth line center. Right? If Yanni Gord is healthy, then fine, he's a decent player. But I think we I think he proved that he's not quite the player he was in Tampa because he was surrounded by all stars. Um but with the great winger depth, I think they I think they make a case, but I think the center position is why they don't make it this year. And this is a team that could have just drafted Vladimir Tarasenko and had him for a couple of years. Now it was it was, everybody stayed away in the expansion draft. Oh, oh, he was unprotected. Got it. 
yep. he was unprotected. Yep. So not to not to rehash that after all this time, yeah. but still like they they made the effort that we're gonna we're gonna plan for the future and you get veneers and you get Shane Wright. And yeah, they have a complimentary pieces that were then asked to be <coughs> mainstay pieces. And that's why Vegas was good. You had complimentary pieces that turned out they were main line drivers. No one really got there for the Kraken. Now you're looking for Shane Wright and Maddie Beneers to do those things. It's possible they can because that's what comes natural to kids is driving offense. It's the rest of the game that takes time to round out. And I'll say that Beneers and Wright are more mature prospects than really anybody else in their draft class outside of, if you want to say Owen Power, but he's a defenseman, they're different. So the Kraken, where do they finish in the division this year? Fourth. Fourth, Dan? Not fourth? You think above? Who? Do you, who well, I guess we'll get there. Yeah. I think uh, we got two. We got two more teams left. We'll, we'll get there. Um, above San Jose and Anaheim, I think. All right. Uh, I think below Vancouver and Vegas and LA. All right. Now let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks. This is a team that we've seen them in the last couple of years be greater than the sum of their parts, and we've seen them be less than the sum of their parts. Which Vancouver team do we get this year, Sam? Well, when you got Gabby Boudreaux as your coach, you're always going to have a chance. Um, he's he's excellent with the way he handles personnel. That being said, I know that there are some who are bullish on the Canucks this year. I'm not one of them. I don't think they're that good. And that's why I said crack and forth, because I think Vancouver will finish behind them. I know they got her boy, JT Miller, a fellow Youngstown boy. He's Palestine, baby. And it's great. It, it's absolutely great. I, I cheer like hell for him, even though he plays on the Canucks. But to be honest, I don't see where they're going to get the scoring from. Um, and who? What's and they got? What Thatcher Demko and that? Their defense is. Uh, if there's a team that has a weaker defense in the division than the Oilers, like a contending team that has a weaker defense core in the division than the Oilers. It I, might be Vancouver. I mean, when you get to pay Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers a combined thirteen point two five million. Awful. Now look, they Awful. they ate Ekman Larson's contract for assets. So I mean it's not like it's they didn't they didn't pull the wrist of line and like we have to, we have to have this guy. No, they, they <laughs> get, no, they gave up their they gave up their first they rounder. gave up their first round pick, which was Dylan Gunther. Right? But they got but they got Garland. Garland, yes, Garland's a Garland. big time yeah, asset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson is still very serviceable. He's still only 31, even though it seems like he's been playing in the league since the late 90s. So, but Quinn Hughes, to me, he's still 22. If he turns into Adam Fox this year, I wouldn't be surprised. And that makes this team a playoff team. Pedersen was better last year than he was the year before. Besser, Horvat, Miller, Garland, Pearson. This is a pretty good top six. Pod Colson, Hoaglander have shown things. If they turn out to be really <coughs> solid contributing rookies, again, it's not something I'm going to be surprised. Although I don't think, I think Hoaglander played too many games last year to be a rookie. I think he was up all, all of last year. So, I mean, again, this is your Jekyll and Hyde team. Dem, Demko's a good goaltender. He played well last year. He's a high pick. He's seemingly developed the right way. He seems to be ready to be a legitimate number one NHL goaltender, which in in the Pacific Division 
counts for a lot. Yep. So again, I, there was, there was a lot made about this team after the, the firing of their front office and the coaching staff and stuff like that, especially with the way Boudreaux coached them and the pace they were on afterwards. I mean, they were on 110, 112-point pace after that. I don't buy that over the course of a full season. I think that was just riding off the momentum of being relieved that you were out of that previous coaching mire and then just having a coach that supports the players, right? I don't think they can reach that again. I think that was completely momentum-based. Now, will they be as bad as they were to start the season last year? I don't think so. Right. I think it's a nice middle of the middle of the road for that. They aren't going to be a 111 point team, but they aren't going to be a 60 point team either. I'm looking at 80, 85 points as they kind of pace the middle of the pack in the division and push a couple of of the like the third and fourth place team for spots. Um, And if all breaks right, they don't get injuries, then sure, maybe. But I still have doubts whether Quinn Hughes can be a number one defenseman in the playoffs. Right. He's a 5'10 defender who's going to be going against. Leon Dreisaitl's, right? Six foot three, 215, 230 pounds. Who, who can defend that guy? Exactly. Well, uh, Kale McCarr. Uh, All right. Yeah, Kale McCarr. I mean, uh, yeah. Victor Hedman. Yeah, he, uh, Kale McCarr could, <laughs> could probably defend LeBron right. James. Right. So those are your number one defensemen on the cup contending teams. I don't see that for Quinn Hughes, at least not yet. Maybe he bulks up. Maybe he shows some upper body strength that I haven't seen yet. but. After that, OEL. I mean, the other folks that you said that I can't even remember because they're scrubs. <laughs> right. Hughes reminds Tyler me. Tyler Myers, of, who's uh, been Hughes going downhill ever since his rookie year. Jared Spurgeon's a good comp. He's a good comp, and he's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. Quinn yeah. Hughes is a hell of a player. Is he more of a regular season player than he is a playoff player? That's my question. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. I like Elias Pettersson a lot. Not to be confused with their draft pick, Elias Pettersson. Uh, it's like there's two year. Ryan O'Reilly's in yeah, the league now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's right. And two just, Sebastian Ajos. I just don't see them at the same level as Vegas or LA. That's like I say so, in, in, in our adult league out here, Sam. You get when Paul doesn't show up, you get the you get the bad to Joe brother. So like you you have the good Elias Pettersson, and the good Sebastian Ajo plays for Carolina. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to the Vegas Golden Knights. And what's you know intriguing to me about Vegas is they had their most success as the team when they were a lot of good pieces, and they come close. They lose in five to Washington, and instead of trying to stick with that, they got they got guys that were there that year under good contracts, but then they decide midstream, nope, we got to go for the shiny toys, and then have a jettison of talent that is unprecedented in the history of the NHL. And I talked about this a little bit with Dan Rosen, but for our listeners here, I mean, they gave away top-end NHL players for nothing. For nothing. And then... For negative value. They gave away Dylan Coglin with with Pacioretty for nothing. For future considerations. Right. For negative value, they're giving these Mm. people away. Now, sure... And it gets you Jack Eichel. It gets you Mark Stone. It gets you Alex Petrangelo. But it also got you further away from the cup than you've ever been. So did are we willing to say that the Vegas experiment is now put them on the decline rather than closer to the cup? Decline. Dan? 
I agree. Right. I still I think they're going to be a tough team this year. I think there's a lot of the mentality that kind of they had their first year. So I'm I'm a little bit scared of them. And for once, at, since the since the Gerard Gallant firing, I think they finally have a top tier coach in Cassidy. Right, Pete DeBoer has never impressed me, and I'm not shocked that he was the reason or he was a, a casualty of this season because I think he was a large reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Bruce Cassidy is a hell of a coach, and he's shown it year after year after year with Boston. I don't, I don't know what Boston was thinking when they fired him. I it was their GM. I'm I'm happy yeah. about it as a Buffalo fan, to be honest with you. So, As you should be. So that that's uh, the that's uh, the scariest acquisition for me for this year for for Vegas is the Bruce Cassidy behind the bench. Um, so, well, in this, I, I agree with Dave. I, I think um, Dan. His name's Dan. Dan Sam. Dan. Jeez, you I, keep I thinking about. Dan I, I know you keep thinking about my oh, father. My I think when we're talking about our, our old times. Probably. Sorry, Dan. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Dave's Dan, coming Dave on for the next up. podcast, maybe. Yeah, I, he doesn't know anything oh. about hockey. <laughs> Well, um, no, I agree. I agree with uh, Dan about, uh, yeah, Vegas is still a dangerous team and probably a playoff team. Um, but I agree. I also think that this is more so the decline that we're going to see that they've, they've had their window. This is that window starting to close where it's almost shut. Uh, is getting older. Uh, Riley Smith's getting older. Uh, let's see. Patch Reddy's gone. Uh, they brought in Eichel, which I thought was a really shrewd move. We'll see how it works out. And right. get Jack and stay healthy. Oh, I'm going to have some Jack Eichel thoughts here in about 40 seconds. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, let's not even wait. Let's hear them right now. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There's something I wanted to talk about first, too. So go ahead. Finish your thoughts, Sam, and then I'll go on my title. No, no, no. It's, all, it's, all, right. it's all yours, all right. Slim. So let me say this about Vegas. The other thing that hurts them now is you don't have young guys filling in on the bottom six so that you can play, pay these top players. Cody Glass didn't hit. You traded Suzuki. You traded Brandstrom. You traded Hay. Uh, you traded draft picks for Tomash Tatar for him to sit. You had to, trade, you had to trade more assets to just get guys off of your roster so you could pay these, so these top-end guys. You had to trade a young asset with a very good contract in Tuck, a good player in Krebs, another first rounder and a second rounder for Eichel. And I'll say this about Eichel. There was very few one-on-five guys in the NHL. A healthy Jack Eichel is one of them. McCarr's in there. McDavid's in there. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is in there. Jack Eichel is a one-on-five guy. You could, everyone else could be sipping my ties by the goaltender crease, and Jack Eichel will still go score 40 goals in a season when healthy by himself. He's that good. And he's never made the playoffs. But when you have a guy like that in the playoffs, if he goes at that level and you have to defend him for seven games, that's why you go get a guy like that. But it's just, he's hard to play with. I mean, as as much as McDavid pushes the pace, he still gives guys that are with him a lot of chances. I don't know if Eichel has that gear. And I'm not saying he can't do that. Because he never really had really some high-end line mates in Buffalo. And the one time he did, Skinner and Reinhardt and he were one of the top scoring lines in the NHL before they got dismantled by uh, your buddy again, Ralph Kruger, who he, actually he didn't do a bad job at Edmonton. That's why he got the job in Buffalo. 
Oh my god! But anyway, it was like it's like what is this guy doing? Uh, you have this top scoring line. At least you can say, all right, we have a top scoring first line. Now what? And like, no, no, no. Skinner's gonna play on the fourth line, and I'm gonna sit him sometimes after he scores forty. So mm. when you're in a playoff series, <laughs> so but for me, the goaltending doesn't get them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter what you get out of Jack Eichel and a guy like Stone and a guy like Petrangelo who are difference makers and have shown to be difference makers in playoffs if you can't get there. And their goalies are currently Loren Brossois and our boy Aiden Hill here, who I saw play gold probably a hundred times. And Logan That's Thompson. Right. And Logan Thompson. I think, I think Logan Thompson's in line to hey, start. Hey, I, I, I'll go to bat for you know, short lefty goalies yeah. all day I, long. I, I think Logan Thompson's in line to start for them. I, I forgot that Leonard's that has gone there. No, that's a that's a really really good point. And again, that's, sunken assets for Leonard. It's just you have they have look they have some prospects, but you know the Nolan Patrick, Nick Hag, the you know Nolan Patrick's just derailed. Who's, who's yeah. the guy that's holding out for them? I thought that was Hag. Uh, it is Hag. He's still he, so he was still in RFA. He's still, he's still waiting for yeah. a, a contract, right? They just don't have the space to give it to him. Yeah, because right now they're minus, uh, according to Cap Friendly, they are 11, almost $12 million over the cap currently. So somebody, somebody, you know, you've got to call somebody in Vegas to drag a body out to the desert like Casino the movie to create cap space, and you just don't know where it's going to come from. So, again, they might have to trade Nick Hague for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I mean, I wouldn't mind him as a list. Those are the pitfalls right there that that Vegas is seeing right now with with going gung ho early on, which I thought was really admirable and it was fun to watch. It was entertaining, but yeah, there's there's going to be a consequence for that when you don't have the young players to fill in the spots like you're talking about. So before before we go into our actual predictions here, is Vegas closer to being San Jose, where you have veterans that score and no real plan, than they are to the Calgarys and the Edmontons of the division? That they're like these two teams are making the playoffs and they're going to be heard from. I don't think so because their stars are still effective players. You got to see Eichel healthy again before that. Before I'm going to go that. Mark Stone's and Mark Stone. Same Stone, thing for him. Mark Stone's a legit number one top five yeah. winger in this. League. Alex Petrangelo, top defenseman in the league. Right. They these guys are are top tier. I like players. their D. I like Theodore. I like McNabb. Shea, White Cloud. Shea Theodore, Shea Theodore Martinez. They they so their defense they, is good. They solid. have an effective defense. Defense. If their goalie can get some stops, I like their defensive core. I like their top six. And hey, we haven't talked about their most important acquisition of the offseason. Arizona fan favorite, Phil Kessel. That's right. right? Tell the thrill. Going for the Ironman on October 25th, I believe, will be the yeah. Ironman record-breaking streak game. Sam Sam was absolutely the Phil Kessel of the Canfield High team. <laughs> I take I'm I take a lot of pride in that. <laughs> he is, my, my father used to affectionately refer to him as the battleship because of his turning radius and speed. But don't give him the puck on the wing. Actually, he was Phil Kessel with Snarl. He was like, yeah, he was like, he's like a cross between Phil Kessel and Milan Lucic. In his I like that. I'm, I'm Not Milan Lucic that. now. I mean, you might as well pay me $5 million to play hockey. But yeah, I mean. It's when when their offseason acquisitions like plus minuses are plus Phil Kessel and minus Max Pacioretty and minus Evgeny Dodonov and maybe minus Nick Haig. Like I forgot about Dodonov. Yeah, like, yeah. They they had to trade. They had to give him away twice. They're a worse yeah. team now than they were last year. So yeah, and look, 
I mean, we're going to – you're right about their top six. You're right about their defense. They're – I still think they're a playoff team. Although, you know, that's the thing about this Pacific division is – It's going to have to be a wild card spot. Yeah. Do they get four teams in? Yeah. I mean, that's – you know, that remains to be seen as to whether they get four teams in. So, I guess, Coach Dan, is this a – is this a three-team playoff division, or is this a, fi- a four-team playoff division, or maybe even a five-team no, playoff division? I, I still think it's a four-team playoff division this year, and not the five that it, or not the three that it was last year. Um, I don't like Dallas as much. I don't like Nashville as much. Um, so there, there are teams in the central division that I don't think push like they did last year. Um, so I would think it's a four-team, four-team from each division playoff round or for the, for the Western conference. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that looks like. I, I don't know. Um, Vegas is, I think they're a scary, like dark horse team for the playoffs this year. All right. So we've gone through everyone now. So now it's prediction time. We'll start from the bottom and go up. Who finishes eight? I have San Jose. San Jose. San Jose, I think we're unanimous. All right. Yep. Seven. I'll say Anaheim. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. This, yeah. I'll say Anaheim as well. Okay. Six. Sam? And this is where it gets interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I got, um, I got Vancouver at sixth. I really don't think the Canucks are that good. I really don't. Okay. Seattle. I think I go with swim here. I think it's Seattle is six. I don't think their center depth pushes them enough. I think we'll see a lot of growth. I think Maddie Beniers is a Calder candidate, if not a Calder Calder finalist. I don't think it's enough to push them uh, against the top teams, at, at least yet. All right. Five. L.A. for me. Vancouver for me. I'm going to say L.A. as well. Four. I'm bullish on the Kraken, man. Give me the Kraken at four. All right. Standing by it. Famous last words. Vegas at four for me. I'll put Vancouver at four. Three. I'm going to put... I'm going to put Vegas. I'm going to put Vegas at three. I'm just... I just... I I think it's more I just want to believe that Eichel's healthy again. And I think that their top six and their D is still makes them a better regular season team and that they get back up in the top three. Yeah. I like the Vegas at three. I think they're still strong. I don't think they're trending in the right direction long-term, but right now they're still pretty tough. LA at three for me. I'm shocked Ooh. by that. I thought you were going to ask if there was a number above one, you could put the case. No, no. LA at three. I think they're better than Vegas and I think they're certainly better than Vancouver and them, but it'll be a, it'll be a, I think a race between three and four. For, for Vegas, and for I think you could interchange um, three between three and six. So Vegas, LA, Seattle, Vancouver. You could see a bunch of shifting in that group. There, it would not surprise me in the least. the The only thing, like Vegas, and I didn't get to, to touch on this in the in my in my King segment, so I'll do it really quick. Vegas blamed their injuries for their lack of success last season. I don't think many people understand the depth of injuries that LA went through. 
There was a stretch in March when they were fighting for a playoff spot where every single one of their top six game one starting defensemen were out at the same time. The the entire defensive core was not at all what game one was. And and you know what? That that reminds me, a perfect segue, and you mentioned the Kings and all those injuries to those defenders, reminds me of the 2006 Buffalo Sabres. Eastern Conference finalist Buffalo Sabres. I wasn't going to go there, but you're exactly right. Who I thought, and I thought they were going to play the Oilers in the Stanley Cup final, and I would have paid out of my nose to go to see a game in Buffalo. Then everybody got hurt, and they lost the series to Carolina. And they and they were there. They were up two to one going into period three of Game Seven, just, and they ended up losing with an empty netter, four to two. I, Mike Greer's on that team. Mikey. All right. One one more question before we move to, to one and two. If Drew Doughty is healthy, do the Kings beat the Oilers in game seven? Because he didn't play all series. Hmm. Yeah. You think they yeah. do? Could have happened, yeah. Because I think for my money, game seven was the most complete defensive effort I have ever seen out of the Edmonton Oilers. A team they, not known for its defense. That was the best defensive effort I have seen from that team in decades. They really locked that game down. I uh, Yeah, I, uh, I was impressed. Uh, I had no idea how that game would go, though. I, I couldn't get a feel one way or the other. So um, without Dowdy and without Arvidsson, the Kings were down a couple of key cogs, which is why I'm surprised you guys are picking them five. Or six, I believe. One of, no, five? I picked them. I put them five. I put them out. And you put them six, Sam? I put them six, but like I said, you can see a lot of fluctuation yeah. between three and six, I think. So, all right. So now, I mean, we're all in agreement. It's either going to be Calgary or Edmonton. So, Sam, we'll let you have first crack at it. Who's winning this division and who's finishing second? Give me the Oilers at number one because why not? <laughs> it's, it's, I've, I've, looked at, I've looked at other models for predictions, and they've all been neck and neck between Oilers and Flames. Um, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Calgary wins the division again. <laughs> But I'd like to think that Campbell will give them enough stable goaltending and they'll get the scoring they need. I think it'll be it'll be nip and tuck through the whole way. But give me the Oilers to win the division for the first time since God. I haven't I don't think they've won a division since ninety one or ninety two. It's been a long time. Is that true? Uh, I'm gonna look I'm, that up real quick. Me too, but I'm pretty sure that's the last time they won a division. I I, th- I thought one of these years they snuck into a division title. In uh, man, actually, not even their last. I'm on Wikipedia, but 1987. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness, was that not the even those nineties? Not even the early nineties. Were no. you born in '87? I was two years old. Man, so, yeah. I don't remember the year the Kings won the Pacific Division, but in their since their inception in 1967, they have won the division once. Yeah, a single time. It was 2014, correct? No. No, they were sixth place. Yeah, they were comfortably they were eight in 2012. Yeah, they were eight, and they were comfortably they, they in lost like, the tiebreaker to Arizona that year in 2012. Or it was like one point. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were eight seed. Yeah. But, yeah, the Kings have won the division title once in their entire organizational career. Yeah. 
I mean, that makes me want to pick Edmonton too because I think that's their mindset this year is we need we need to make sure that we're blitzing teams every night with our offense, and that's going to make them a better regular season team. But I think Calgary's the better out in the playoffs. But you're right. I think with Sutter at the helm, I think they're going to be more worried about the playoffs. I'll pick the Oilers to actually win the division, but I think Calgary is the team that goes the deepest in the playoffs. And I think I'm in agreement with both of you guys for the same reasons you guys said. Edmonton at one, Calgary at two. Calgary's gonna it's the Battle of Alberta's back and it's it's gonna be spectacular. I'm so happy to see it. I mean what a series last year. That game one was a game I, I don't remember seeing in a long time in the National Hockey League. I mean it, the game no, one was a great game, but the series I thought was a letdown, honestly. After game one, it was yeah, it was it was Calgary seemed out of gas. Yeah, game I mean game two had its parts too, but uh yeah, it um Game five, I mean, game five was a lot of fun. Sure. A lot of back and forth scoring, and, and I'll be the first one to admit it. I thought Blake Coleman's goal should have stood. I, I'm very, very surprised it didn't. I thought, did he did he kick it a little bit? Yeah, and he said so much post game that he he meant to do that. It was it was very cheeky, and I'm watching it. I'm thinking, ah, I think he knew what he was doing, but they're probably not going to wave this off. There's not enough there. I've seen worse worse things yes. out of regard. <laughs> yes. And they wave it off, and I'm thinking, there's no way the Oilers are going to lose this game now. I don't know how they got that call, but they've just been given a – you're giving McDavid and co. another opportunity to slay the dragon. It's all they needed. Again, another sliding doors moment in a playoff series, like game one of Nashville-Pittsburgh, where that goal gets mm. – I mean, I don't know how the camera actually sees the offsides there, but Nashville wins game one. You might have a different series there. Just yeah. every series has those kind of moments. And part of it in the NHL is just being on the right side of those things. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you've seen that all over. Gotta, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. You got to be a little bit lucky, right? Yeah. I mean, the the game breaker for the Kings in 2012 was the five-minute major, right, against Rob Scuderi. Oh. Okay. If you would watch that game, 30 seconds prior, a King – got somebody on the left side boards right in between the benches from behind. And then the puck went down into the zone and Scuderi got hit. They could have just as easily called that hit on the blue line for a major as they did with Scuderi. Now Scuderi bled and the other guy didn't, but it was like those little bounces, those little pieces that are seen in the game we, somehow. You have the five minute major a couple years later with San Jose yeah, and Vegas. Yeah, that's another good one. Well, that have, caused a rule change. Caused a rule change. And then you have on your Kings run the Mark Edward Vlasic injury that lets you come back 3 0 from San Jose. Yep. Turns that series. So little things. Always like that. Well, we're, we're about at the 130 mark, which, you know, completely envelops one of our kids' trips up to Phoenix for a game. So we got some road games coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that's, that's, that's really what these were for, Sam. We started them when we had to drive to Phoenix for everything, which right. was a very right. not fun thing to do. So we'll close the loop here. We got some more division previews coming up, hopefully. Uh, if you guys want to jump on any other divisions, you let me know. But for the time being, thanks for joining us for the Pacific Division Preview. Sam, hopefully we'll see you next year at the, at the, <laughs> at the alumni game again. I, I plan on it. I'm going to blame Coach Trent, who's an Anaheim fan. He he put me in his wedding, and I had to go to that because that's how that works. So uh, I'll be out there next year. Ducks fans ruining kids' lives. Ducks fans. Well, Maggie, right? Maggie's a, Maggie, and Maggie's a Bruins fan. That's way worse. 
That's uh, I disagree. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you would, but trust me, I'm right on this. I'm objectively right that it's worse to be a Bruins fan <laughs> than a Ducks fan. I don't know who do you like. Who do you like least, Corey Perry or Brad Marchand? <laughs> it's it's Brad Marchand now. Ooh. Corey Perry lost They're three cups there. in a row. I feel like oh, his I, debt has I, been fulfilled. I hated Corey Perry, man. Yeah, man, alive. I'll, and, I'll tell you who likes uh, Corey Perry yeah. though. Anyone who sells burners in the Southern California area. <laughs> mm. You know who else? You know who else liked Corey Perry? Kevin Lowe so much that he wanted Mike Comrie to repay a bonus back, and that sewered the whole Comrie for Corey Perry trade that almost happened. Oh, Talk about a sliding doors moment there. <laughs> oh boy, that's God. almost that's almost as big as the Thomas Vanek offer sheet. We should have just let you guys have them and taken your picks. <laughs> I totally you forgot first, about that. You picked first, you know, <laughs> after that like three times. Anyway. No, but it's it's been fun, gents, and yes, we'll, we'll 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 reconvene after uh, the playoffs here, and maybe do this again next year, hopefully with Coach Johnny in tow, so we can really get the battle over a flying. But our guests today have been Sam Crow joining us from the law office of somebody, somebody, and somebody in Thunder Bay, Ontario. <laughs> Coach Dan, who's sitting next to me on my kitchen table, Dave. Dave, Dave, a.k.a. Dave. Dave, Dan. A.k.a. Coach Dave. I'm, I might be using that. And as always, the Tucson Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Danny Platner and Altitude Home Loans, and they are an equal housing lender. We'll see you for the next division for episode 26 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast.